Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Wow, that was, uh, that was quite something. I love the passion just coming out of Matthew there, like just the presence of God. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us this morning. Um, it's an honor to, to continue this uh, series this Sunday. I'm really excited about this uh, message today. Um, it's been a, a rough week for Lynn because um, if, if you're a wife, you, you understand what I'm talking about here right now. There's only one thing being worse, worse than being sick yourself is when your husband is sick, right? <laughs> so I've been uh, struck down this week with um, man flu. Uh, yeah, it's been touching. It's been really bad, actually. It's been really bad. You know, the worst thing about having a cold is that you, you, you really shouldn't feel sorry for yourself. I mean, pain level is pretty much zero, isn't it, of having a cold? It's like, there's no pain. It's just irritating. I was saying to Kitty yesterday, it's, it's like being constantly poked. It's like, it doesn't hurt, but it's really annoying. Just like dripping nose. Uh, and, and, and Lynn is like, she, she, she's getting aggravated by the fact that I'm, I'm sighing all the time. I'm like, darling, I can't help it. It's because my... my my sinuses are clogged up, so I'm just walking around the house going, ah, oh, ah, oh. and I know it's just really irritating us so bad. So thank you, darling, for your patience. Thank you for putting up with me this week, and I've come through the other side. Praise God. Thank you, God. Praise Jesus. I mean, I'm standing here today. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I... I, um, I, I could have thrown in the towel this week, but I really wanted to share this message today because I, I, I felt like... God had something he wanted to say uh, on this topic through me, uh, something he's put on my heart. And so I'm really excited. Is anyone else enjoying this series, Faith That Works? It's awesome, right? Uh, I've just been so blessed, like chewing on this book over and over again, reading the passage over and over again, and during the Connect group, just having conversations, relating it into our life situations, uh, just seeing so many new things I hadn't seen before. And then also just on the Sunday, getting just like fresh revelation, like last week from Shetel and from Matthew and, and then the previous weeks. And, and just, it's just awesome to, to hear what the Holy Spirit speaks into people um, as they read the, these passages. And so we're continuing that today, Faith That Works. Uh, a recap for those of you that are new uh, that might have missed it. So what we, what we realize when we look at the book of James is that a believing faith, that's what secures our justification in Jesus, Right? But that, that needs to become a mature faith so that we may be sanctified into those wholehearted followers of Jesus that we're aiming for, right? Uh, we as Christians, we are called to a process of discipleship, right? The, the, we should be working things out, just as Matthew said, we're going from glory to glory. We're going from strength to strength. We're, we're not a finished product. We're aiming for the new, right? We're, God is in a process of renewal in us uh, by his Holy Spirit. And what we've learned in the last few weeks is a couple of things. We've learned that faith without deeds is useless. Sounds harsh, but that's what it says. It's useless. And faith with a wild tongue, as we learned last week, it's worthless. All right. So, okay, but then, then the next question might be, okay, but what about my vision? What about my desires? Where does that fit into that? How should my faith be reflected in my life's vision and the dreams that I have? Good question. Glad you asked, Justin, because that's exactly uh, what we want to look at today in the key scripture from James uh, 127. 
I'm actually going to pick it up from uh, 126 just to connect it with last week um, with Shettle's great message. It says in James 1, 26, 27, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And here it is. Their religion is worthless. Continuing. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I love that scripture. We shared that scripture a lot when Lynn and I were working for a, a parachurch ministry. It was something that we, we used a lot in uh, the messages, uh, just because what I love about it, it kind of like calls back, it, it, it peels back to the core of what being Christian is all about, that we are called to serve others, and that we serve a kingdom not of this world, right? Our, vi- our vision for life should be, as the scripture says, to look after orphan and widows. And at first hearing, that might seem like, okay, that, that's quite narrow. That's very specific, right? So I, I need to seek out these orphans and widows, um, which in this part of the world isn't as easy as maybe in other parts of the world. Um, but on second reading, if, if you really look at, at the context of when this was written, what that meant to be an orphan, what it meant to be a widow, we realize that it's something much more broader. You see, because a widow meant to have no future. A, wi- a widow meant to have to be forced to go it alone in life. And an orphan, in those times, it meant to have no past, had, had no connection. You had no history. You had no um, um, ancestors to connect to that, that gave you your identity. You were essentially left behind. Now, if you look at it, From that perspective, I don't think it's too hard to see people in our world that feel like this. People with broken histories, people struggling with loneliness, people with a sense of hopelessness. I don't know if your brain's rattling right now, but I I can quite easily think of people like that in my world. People that that have parents, people that are maybe even in relationship and yet still battle with these strong feelings, a strong sense of hopelessness, a strong sense of brokenness. It's not hard to find these people in our world. These are the people we're called to. We're called to others, to serve others. This is, we are called to love these people. This is the vision that Jesus has for our lives. But I feel like the second part of this scripture, when it's talking about keeping oneself from being polluted by the world, that's a little bit more tricky. What does that mean? Okay, I get it. So, like, get polluted? Does that mean I have to stay out of the world? Do I have to kind of separate myself from the world? But hang on a minute. I'm supposed to go to the people in the world. Jesus was called to the world. How can, how can we do this if we're separated from the world? Well, I don't think it's talking about avoiding the world. I think it's actually talking about a spirit of the world, an influence that is over you. Not, not necessarily people, not even necessarily things, but an influence that can subtly be pulling you in a certain direction, that can pollute your vision. And that's what I want to talk about today. I think we can get a better picture of what James is talking about with the words of Jesus. So I'm going to go back to Matthew 6, uh, 24. Quite a popular scripture. 
we can pick it up here. It says, no one can serve two masters. Actually, I'm reading for the New, Kings, uh, New King James Version for this scripture here. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the reason why I read the New King James Version is because a lot of translations simply translate the word mammon as money. And that word money could have been riches, it could have been possessions, it could have been a lot of things. Basically, it represents the temporary in our world. And I think what Jesus is getting at is a lot more than just money. He's, he's a lot more than just monetary value. He's getting at something a lot more stronger, a lot, something a lot more powerful, an influence in our life. He's warning us that these temporary things can easily become an idol in our life. And this is way beyond us working for money. This is the allure of the temporary to shape our life's values and our direction that we're heading in. What we are talking about here is essentially we're talking about a battle for your imagination, a battle for your vision, for your dreams over your life. These temporary things will try to direct you. They'll try to limit you. They'll try to take you in a different direction to the dreams and the vision that God places on your heart. You see, the spirit of mammon, it steals our vision and it takes captives our dreams. You know, as a young couple, um, me and Lynn, when, when we, we met working for a power church a ministry, we were working in schools in the UK, uh, helping set up Christian unions you know, we were very young and naive, but very, you know, excited and passionate, and we want to do great things for God. And we would go on these uh, walks in the evening in, in uh, Hall Green in Birmingham. Uh, I remember, like, kind of dark f- winter evenings, and it was dark, and so you just had the, the, the road lights, and we were just walking down and just talking about, like, oh, what we would like to do in the future, and we'd like to be a part of a church and come under great leaders like we are now. And, and um, just be a part of building something. And we just kind of dreamed of this greatness of building God's kingdom. And you know, we were in a house with, I think, around 12 other people. And, and we all had similar dreams. We all wanted to do great things for God. And I think that's a natural thing when you meet Jesus is you want to, your instinctive reaction is like, I want to serve God. I want to do great things. I want people to experience what I've experienced because it's the most precious thing in my life. I mean, what else could there be apart from this, Right? We were so focused on the eternal. We were so focused on the, the God's kingdom. And yet, what happens next? Life happens, right? Then you realize you need money to survive. We moved to Malma. You know, what are my prayers? My prayer is, God, help me find accommodation. God, help me to pay from, so I can survive while I'm studying here. And then, and then as, as I get established, the next prayer is, God, help me to improve my life, you know, to get a better situation. We would like to buy an apartment, we, all of these things, are, there's nothing wrong with them. They are, they are needs. They're things that bring comfort into our life, things that God blesses us with. They start to take more and more place. And then and all of a sudden, I'm starting to dream of things that I never dreamt of needing in my life, things that are way beyond I, I, I ever thought I could ever possess or own. Or I'm going so much higher than I ever thought I could. And all of a sudden, there's a risk that the temporary things in my life are starting to shape my life vision. They're starting to put my old dreams on the shelf. 
that the allure of what is right in front of my grasp grabs my attention and makes me forget those things that I long for as a young man. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> I can really see myself in this. As I, I mean, I, I, I really can kind of plot a graph in my life and, and see how those moments in my life where I've been challenged, and I feel like God is constantly pulling me back to his vision, constantly pulling me back to his dreams. And he's not saying that I shouldn't have these things. He wants to bless me with good things. He's a good father, but he also wants to keep my eyes on the eternal. He wants to keep my eyes on those around me. He wants me to, 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 to not just have my eyes down on the ground, focused on myself, navel gazing. He wants me to look around. He wants me to have a big vision, a big heart. Right? You see, one of the biggest challenges we have with avoiding this pollution, this influence of the world for our vision is that we have a constant bombardment of noise. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about here? I'm talking about these uh, really dangerous things that we have called smartphones. Um, I mean, do you ever walk around town and just think, what happened to us? What kind of world have we become? I mean, we are so fixated on our phones. I mean, we're just walking around town and we just got our head down the whole time. We don't see the people around us. We're on the bus. I mean, somebody could be choking to death on the bus and we wouldn't even notice. We'd be so, this is like checking Instagram. And so we're so just plugged in all the time to our phones. And of course, the phones can be a good thing. I mean, they help us in many ways. In many ways, they've improved parts of our life. But the trouble with it is every app that we open is, is pushing a narrative on us. It's pushing... I, re, I look at Instagram, and basically what it says to me is, your life sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. I mean, you could be on a beach right now. You could have these shoes. You go on Pinterest, your house could look way better, right? You go on Twitter, you should be speaking up. You should have a better brand. You should say smarter things. Look at this guy. He's way smarter than you. Everything is like, you need to be more, you need to be better all the time. It's this constant narrative that's screaming to me, you need this. Your life is missing something. And so it's changing the desires of our heart. It's like, I want to build my brand. I want to improve my home. It's like, I want to get these things. I mean, I'm coming with stuff in my head right now that I want. I want. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally aware that no topic gets people more uncomfortable in church than talking about money, right? So I, I know I'm on kind of thin ice here, so I'm going to just try and keep it from my perspective today and just talk from, from where I am as someone who has to have a relationship with money himself uh, and has battled with these things. The thing is that Manon can so easily form us into believing that our best life is wealth, it's luxury, and it's privilege apart from God. Right? As Pastor John Tyson said this, he said, how we utilize money and resist manon might be one of the defining marks of our discipleship. And that really spoke to me because I've seen people start with the same kind of dreams that I had as a young man and slowly through just that intoxicating 
feeling of success, their vision for their life has slightly changed to the point where they no longer invest in church. They're no longer thinking about God's kingdom. They're no longer thinking about the eternal things. They're, they're, in, they're totally in on the rat race. They're totally in on, on how far can they go. And it's sad to see. And I, I, I feel that same pull on me. I got to say, I feel that same pull to, to achieve, to go to a higher level, to, to um, accumulate more. And it's a very real struggle. And I think it's a struggle for each and every one of us, no matter where we are. If, we're, if, if our bank account is empty or our bank account is full, we still have that same pull to, to accumulate more, to, to go higher, to, to chase after. And our pursuit changes. No longer is our pursuit after the things of God. Our pursuit is of the things of this world. And that's what Jesus is warning us about. It's one of the marks of our discipleship. What is our relationship to the material? What is our relationship to the temporary? Because it speaks, ultimately it speaks of our hearts. That's where our treasure is. Wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart is, right? It's the real battlefield in our life. Of all the idols, think about it, of all the idols, of all the sins of the temptation, you know, we talk about sexual sin and all these big ones that we, we love to condemn as Christians, only one did Jesus single out was a direct competitor for his devotion. He said, we can only serve God or mammon. We can't serve both. We cannot be passive. We cannot juggle the two. We cannot hate. We will hate one and we will love the other. It's a threat to our discipleship. It's a threat. If you look at the roots of mammon, I mean, I realize that we, it's not, mammon's not a word we use every day. You know, we don't and then go, oh, there's Mammon again, like at the office, <laughs> popping up. No, um, you go back to, the, the, go back to Genesis. I'm not, I'm not going to read any scriptures here, but I mean, you're all familiar with the story. Adam and Eve, they were given the whole world. God gave them the whole world. He said, hey, you know, you have authority. You can name them. Like, this is yours, and this is your playground. I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, they had each other. They had, the, they had all the resources. I mean, there's nothing that we desire today that they didn't have. They had it all, right? And yet Satan convinced them that God was holding out on them. I mean, it's crazy you think about it. What is he holding out? <laughs> what he convinced them, his temptation is that, hey, you shouldn't trust God. He's, he's holding out on you. He, you can get this yourself. You don't need God. You can become God. And you will no longer be dependent on him. That is the spirit of Satan. That was Satan's problem. He wanted to be a god himself. And you see it over and over again in world leaders. You see it in the Bible if you look at Ezekiel. Just that spirit of self-idol. That people replace the lordship of God with themselves. That their world revolves around themselves. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know... Um, because wealth isn't bad in itself. We, we had a good discussion around about money in the last uh, Connect group that we had. And everyone's in different situations. Everyone has different bank accounts. And what we kind of summarize is that it's, it's not about where you are, your status, if you're wealthy, if you're poor. Um, but the trouble about money is that it can preach to your heart. It can preach to you that, hey, you're doing pretty good. You don't need God. And I tell you, it's intoxicating. You can believe it. It's a drug. You know, 
I had this, this thought this week is that it's, it's a basic expectation of a husband or a wife to be desired by their partner, right? Yep, I hope everyone agrees with that. We should desire our husband or a wife if you're in a relationship. But, you know, if someone else captivates that person's heart, that marriage has a problem, right? There's an issue there. If their future imagination is now occupied by someone else, that's a recipe for divorce, right? If they start imagining a future with someone else other than their partner, there's a problem there. That is not a good thing. And in the same way, Jesus recognized that the spirit of mammon is very alluring. Just as it was for Adam and Eve, that desire to be your own master, to replace God with yourself, right? The thing is, lordship is exclusive. If one occupies your heart, there is no room for another. There's only God, in that respect, God is a jealous God. He wants all of your heart. He wants your attention. He wants you to be... He wants to be the object of your desire for your future, for your plans. He wants to be the center of it. I'm going to mention three things now that this spirit is, a, why it's a problem for us. You see, because the spirit of mammon, it leads us away from God. And um, we, can, we can actually read in James 4, 13, 17, it says this, a really interesting passage. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that, or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Do you see your life as a part of God's picture, or are you drawing your own designs? You know, straight after in Matthew 6, when he talks about the, the warning of not serving two masters, he talks about do not worry about the things of tomorrow. Because that is a symptom that God is not the Lord of your life. That your concerns are no longer for, for the things of his kingdom, but on the temporary. Not, not that those things are, are not important. Absolutely not. They are important. But if those things are occupying your heart, they're, they're shaping your, your vision and your dreams, the temporary are dictating, we've got a problem there. See, because your vision should be bigger than you. Your life vision should be way bigger than you. And your material success. The Sermon on the Mount, one of the best passages in the Bible, is just like our guidebook that Jesus drew up for us. It teaches us not to run after what the pagans wanted. There's two visions, one of the world, the other of the eternal life of God. Just as I said, I've seen so many friends, they start off with a vision to build God's kingdom, and slowly they become sidetracked. I know, I've just got to take care of this stuff first. I've just got to get this stuff in order, which is fair enough. So they have to put some things on hold, but then they start to get seduced by a vision of opportunity to get wealth for themselves outside of God's plans. They're not involving God into their life anymore. They're making plans to go here and there and to pursue the things of the world. But where's God in all of it? And these things might be fine. But we have to involve God 
in our plans. We have to commit our plans to God. He has to be the Lord of our life, right? Daily, just as I said, our dreams are being recruited by influences, by marketing, by the media of the world. So we have to guard against the concerns of the world from choking the seed of our vision. And just as it talks about the, the parable of the seeds, that, that some seeds were choked out because of the concerns of the world. They, they, they were overwhelming to the point where that seed could not grow, that could not uh, develop into the, to the dream that, that God had placed, that seed of faith. In the same way, we have to protect the vision that God has put on our heart, the dreams that we have from being overwhelmed by the concerns of the world, overwhelmed by the temporary. Because mammon is hell-bent on leading us away from God, taking our, way, our eyes off the eternal and down to the temporary. The thing is that mammon is based on pride. If we continue that verse, it says, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and isn't doing it, it doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Mammon ultimately is a, is a life that revolves around you. And it is seen, best seen in our relationship to money and how we treat others. The prideful, they neglect thankfulness. That's not a part of their life. They are ignorant of the needs of others around them. You know, in the Old Testament, there's this recurring theme that we see over and over again where there's a failure to praise. There's a failure to remember what God has done for them, to observe the things that they instructed, the entering of pride into their hearts and ultimately their own deception and eventually their own judgment. That's why praise is so important because it keeps us anchored against the shipwreck of pride. And... and like a storm, it will just sneak up on you. You think everything looks clear, you know, I'm good. Everything's cool in my life. And then all of a sudden, you'll find yourself in a place you never thought you would end up. It will sneak up on you. You know, you prayed for that first paycheck, right? You gave it to God. I remember praying for, for when I desperately needed a job. God, I give you my life. I just need a job right now. Help me. And then I rejoice when I got that first bonus. Oh, thank you, God, for blessing me so mightily. And now I've come so far because I'm actually pretty gifted. That's why I got the job, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty talented. <laughs> Lynn's laughing because I talk like this. <laughs> I'm pretty awesome. Like, everyone's seeing it now, how good I am at work. I mean, I'm going to get promotion for sure. They see how good I am. <laughs> the money and the success is starting to preach to my heart. <laughs> It's starting to preach to me, and I'm, I'm ashamed sometimes of things that come out of my mouth at work, just the, the cockiness. I'm so smug. I think I'm no better than everyone else. And the boasting and that, that self-indulgence, it is so addictive, and it will choke out the vision of God in our life, and that's pretty scary, actually. It will occupy a place in my heart where once the dreams of God lived Man, and it, it also destroys compassion. James 5, 1, 5 talks about, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. 
The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. I mean, that's pretty extreme because it's talking about people that actually oppressed the Jewish people. But I think we can still see ourselves somewhat in that where we don't give honor where honor is due, right? You know what I mean? Well, we've been blessed, but maybe we haven't blessed back, right? These people are condemned not because they have money. Everyone thinks, oh, it's because they're rich. Yeah, God doesn't like rich people. No, they're condemned for their lack of compassion rather than their wealth. It's not about your bank account status. Let me just emphasize, it's not about how much money you have in your bank. It's about the investment portfolio of your heart. God isn't really interested in how liquid you are right now, how much cash you have. Maybe you come in church a day and you're broke. Maybe you come and you're flush. It doesn't matter. What God is concerned in is your heart. Where are you investing? Because you don't need to be there or there in order to invest. You can invest a little where you are or with the much that you have. God is interested. Where are you investing? Because that shows me your heart. It's the investment portfolio of your heart. See, because wealth is not inherently bad and poverty is not inherently virtuous. I'm like, sometimes in church history, we try to make out something like poverty is godly. No, I mean, if you've actually experienced poverty, I haven't because I live in this part of the world, on, on, on an extreme level, you'll know that it's not godly. It's not a blessing to be poor and to be struggling and to have lack. And that is not God's heart. In fact, he calls us to help out those in need. He calls us as a, as a community to help so that make sure that nobody lacks it is not his desire for you to be in poverty. That's a lie. But you see, the distortion and the trappings of wealth that we are, can easily become accustomed to, especially in this part of, of the world, it's maybe one of the greatest challenges that we have. I mean, especially in this part of the world, we have so much, right? And we're so comfortable. And it's so easy just to just take care of your own. And this is one of the greatest challenges, I think, to us as disciples and also the greatest opportunity for us to proclaim the good news. Faith is displayed by blessing those in need with the blessings that we have received, right? Because manan, it, it causes your heart to close. It causes your, your hand that received to be a, become a clenched fist. And that is not how we imitate Christ. That's how we imitate the other guy. And we don't want to be like that other guy. We find ourselves so easily saying, hey, that's not my people. It's not my problem. In fact, even some world leaders say that. And I tell you, that is not the heart of God. We should be saying, that is my problem. We should say, this is my city it's my responsibility. This is my workplace. This is my responsibility. This is my community of faith. It's my responsibility. We should have a vision that is beyond us. We should have a vision that looks around to those around us, that is looking for the other. How can I meet needs? All right, so I think I've established quite clearly that mammon is a bad thing, right? That we don't want to be like that. And so I got three tips on how we can resist mammon before we close today, all right? We can start with thankfulness. Thankfulness causes us to look up, right? 
We've already received so much. I mean, if we just go through the promises of the Bible, what we've received as a spiritual inheritance, I mean, it is so overwhelming. You're kind of like anything that we could achieve or accumulate on earth, it just pales in comparison. I mean, that's why Paul said it's counted as rubbish. I mean, all of the mansions and, and, and the possessions in the world, you compare it to what Jesus has already given us, is rubbish. Right, so we have so much to be thankful for, even even in the material things that God has blessed us with. We've got so much to be thankful for. So we need to exercise constantly this thankfulness to God in heaven for every good thing that He has given us to help us keep that right perspective in life. And also, we need to invest in others because that helps us have a vision that is beyond, beyond right now, the temporary. It's is a is a vision that looks to the next generation, building His kingdom. That's why being planted in a community of faith is so important for resisting mammon because it ensures my vision always remains bigger than me. Now, just by investing in this church, I'm saying, hey, God, I want a vision that goes beyond me. I want a vision that goes to our children. I want a vision that helps others. I don't want to just be focused on myself because that's not the religion that you're looking for. Helps me look beyond and habitual generosity, constant, perpetual generosity that helps me look around, look around to needs. How can I bless? How can I honor? And you know what? Giving, why money is so important, how we use money, how we invest it, if, if we're tithing or if we're giving into the things of God, why is that so important? Because it's not an easy thing. I know it's, this is a tricky issue because it's close to our heart, <laughs> right? Because it's a pushback. It's a pushback to this narrative of the world is selling us. That it's just me, 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 me. My things, I gotta get my stuff together. I gotta save for my house. I gotta save for my future, for my kids, for me, 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 me. When I give, it's a pushback. It declares, this is your home, God. This is your job that you've blessed me with. This is your family. This is your future. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. We need to be living according to a different script than the world. And that's why I said this is one of the greatest opportunities we have to share the gospel. And so when people go, hey, why are you giving so sacrifice? Why, why are you investing in that? Because I'm living according to a different script. We should live in a way that provokes questions for which the gospel is the only answer. Someone else said that, but I can't figure out who the quote was. <laughs> But isn't that amazing? Our life should make people ask questions. Why are you doing that? Why are you giving? Why are you giving temp? What? Why would you do that? You're already paying enough in tax. The answer is the gospel. The answer is thankfulness. I'm just so grateful, man. Everything I got, I got given. I've been blessed. I want to bless back. Speaks to people. We need to be, as the Bible says, a peculiar people, doing peculiar things. Because let me tell you, people think this stuff is weird. Why are you giving? Why are you investing? And so as we close now, I just want to invite the band up. I want to make a challenge to all of us here today. I've been challenging myself as I've been writing the sermon this week to discern the stories of your heart, your imagination. What is it that you want? What are your longings? How did you come to want that? 
How did that vision come together? Let's interrogate our own picture of what success looks like. Let's interrogate it and, and try to figure out where does that influence come from? And is, is my vision for future just trying to fix the things that passed, the way I grew up? You know, I grew up with lack, so I, I want to make sure that I have abundance. Is that what's shaping your picture of the future? Or is it God that's shaping your picture for the future? See, because our dreams should be markedly different to that of this world. We shouldn't be chasing after the same things that we're hearing getting bombarded with every day. We need to have a different priority list to that of the world. Of course, we need the things that bring us security, the things that bring us comfort. This is natural. But our vision, it needs to look beyond. It needs to be looking up in thankfulness. It needs to be looking around to those others, those in need. It can't revolve around us. It needs to be bigger. What God is ultimately asking is he wants us to have bigger hearts. He wants us to have generous hearts. He wants us to have open hearts. He wants us to have that open palm that is receiving and blessing freely knowing that everything we have is a gift from God. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that, right? It's so easy to just get distracted by the concerns of the world. But I just want to encourage us that let's not let the concerns of the world choke the vision that God has for our life because he has something so much greater for us that is not just going to bless us, that is going to bless our children, that is going to bless our neighbors, that is going to bless this city, that is going to have such a bigger impact than anything else we could achieve in ourselves. Let's just stand as we go back into worship. I'd love to pray for you guys. We need to always begin with thanksgiving. Give praise to God in heaven from whom all blessings flow. Sometimes it's just stop and taking a minute, taking stock of our life and seeing what God has already done for us. That's a really good place to start. Just that heart of thankfulness. And sure, you've got concerns in your world right now. Maybe some of you are looking for work right now or promotion or a change of accommodation. Hey, there's legitimate things, needs that you have. I'm sure of it. But let that, that, our focus just be on those things right in front of us. But let's look beyond. Let's look up. Let's look around. So Holy Spirit, we just bow our heads in, in prayer right now. And we pray that you would help us discern, Lord God, the vision that we have in our hearts, Lord God, the dreams that we have, Lord. Help us to interrogate it with the help of your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's anything that is driving us by fear of disappointment or just things of the past, Lord, that are shaping our future, Lord God. We pray you help us to break out of that, Lord. Help us to think beyond, Lord God. Help us to, to lift up our eyes, Lord God, to look around us, Lord God, to take our eyes off ourselves, Lord, and focus on you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you, you'll help us, Lord, to just rein in these wild horses of, of wants and desires and the pull of the world that would try to draw us into their plans. 
and their schemes, Lord God. And I thank you that you help us live in humility, Lord God. Thank you for the fruits of the Spirit, Lord God. We recognize that we all have moments, Lord God, where we become that person, Lord, where we boast in our own achievements, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, that, Lord, you've blessed us with talents and gifts and opportunities and skills, Lord God. And these are a gift from God. So we want to give all the praise that man would give us back to you, Lord, because you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of all thanks and praise, Lord. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that for some of us in particular, that you would renew that God vision of our youth. Maybe not youth in, in, in years, Lord, but that moment when we come to believe, Lord, we came to believe and you spoke a vision into our future of who we could be in you, Lord, what we could do for your kingdom, Lord. And maybe the concerns of the world have choked that out or caused us to put those dreams on a shelf, Lord. I pray, Father, you would breathe on those visions and dreams this morning, Lord, that you would bring them to the forefront. Help us to lift our eyes this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you are a good God. We worship you. We praise you. We honor you this morning. Amen.